Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today we'll be uh, looking at a, not a traditional film project in the sense of what you might be used to on the podcast. We're going to be talking to uh, songwriter ex Hefner frontman Darren Heyman about his project Thankful Villages. Hello, Darren. Hello, Stuart. And how the devil are you? I'm alright this morning. Are you are you are you ensconced in Walthamstow still? Yeah, I'm up in Walthamstow. I'm down the road in Leighton. This is oh, quite okay. weird to be talking on Skype. Just what two miles away, maybe? Yeah, but uh, there's no there's no training between us. There's not no, and it's a bit rainy. It's a bit rainy, like like a few of the villages you've visited. Mm. So, just to give the audience a bit of perspective, this is a you've put out a album that's also got a film attached to every single song, and mm-hmm. there's a painting exhibition, and this is called Thankful Villages. Yes. The title of which is born out of a brilliant quote which I've not heard of before, um, which is, A thankful village is a village in Britain where every soldier returned alive from World War One." which is yeah. uh, Arthur Mee, who, who wrote a series of guidebooks. On he, also called, he also called them blessed villages. Did he? Yeah. Okay. And and he he wrote a series of guidebooks looking at fifty four villages and no 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 his guidebooks yeah um, um, concerned everywhere he oh, wrote okay. a book for every, every county ah. uh, in England and Wales and the, the series of books are called the King's England he wrote them in the nineteen thirties okay it was at the height of the 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 rambling revival and this whole um part of British history where people became much more interested in the countryside and walking around. So his books actually cover every village. It's, uh, um, I mean, I've got three or four of them. Hmm. If you were to have all of them, they would take up a big bookshelf. And they are kind of easy to find. You, you, you see uh, Arthur Me, 
the King's England books in, in second-hand bookshops quite often. Yeah. But he was kind of like an early Bill Bryson, and he wrote um, these guidebooks for the country. And because so much of them are rural, they actually do kind of still work, even though they're getting close to 100 years old. Yeah. They still kind of work as guidebooks because small places change so little, or change much less than cities do. So you want, do you want to just give us a brief synopsis of what this project is from your point of view? I mean, I've explained what, what's gone on, but do you want to sure. say what you were After doing? Sure. After me, identified uh, only about 20 or so thankful villages, and the only way he found out that the villages were thankful was um, anecdotal evidence. A thankful village is a village where every soldier returned alive from World War One. Yeah. Since then, and especially with the anniversary of the First World War in 2014 and better access to death records, um, that number has expanded to 54. Still kind of changes. Still, there's, there's one website in particular with um, whose <coughs> who's research is the research I follow mainly. Okay. And they um, sometimes... Uh, disallow a village because of one reason or another or allow one. So sometimes the number goes up and down. Mm. I decided to visit every village and react immediately to my surroundings. I didn't really want to do project about World War One. That doesn't particularly interest me, and especially as it was going to be 54 pieces of music yeah. and 54 pieces of film, it would get rather tiring. It's more that the, the, the fact that these 54 villages have rather arbitrarily been given a title for something that didn't happen. That's what I <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, yeah. It's like normally when we go into a village, it's like, you know, if we go into Howarth, it's home of the Brontes or something. And I, I think... That's all. That's all great, but I, I, I found it very interesting that these villages claim to fame is that nothing happened, and sometimes they have war memorials almost to that effect. You know that they they they, they were untouched. What a blank war memorial! Not a blank war memorial, but you sort of have to sort of you see the war memorial, and you sort of almost have to sort of reread it to get the uh, the, the the word in. Okay. So, for instance, you know, normally war memorials will talk about sacrifice or loss. Yeah. Whereas these war memorials will talk about effort or bravery, um, but actually a lot of thankful villages just don't have a war memorial. And I think also you have to also remember that there, the approach to grief, how they approach, might have been problematic at the time. If you think of a whole country mourning uh, the the war effort. Yeah. You wouldn't necessarily want to sort of say, hey, everyone came back here, we're really lucky. So <laughs> the, the thankful status wasn't really something um, that villages laid claim to at the time. And also, the opposite even happened, that in actual fact what they did was is sometimes try and claim a loss where there wasn't. So some of the thankful villages have war memorials with, uh, to a soldier but it'll turn out that it was a soldier who was born there but lived somewhere else. Okay. And things like that. So in some ways, um, lots of these places wanted to be part of the collective grief. Mm. Anyway, 
largely all of this is really just a framing device or, or as, you, as you put it before we um, started the show uh, a, a set of rules yeah. by which it tells me where to go I have no choice but to go to these places and and react musically and visually to them and also sometimes more often as it goes on try and find a story or a narrative okay so so you were where, where did you first come across the the idea of the thankful village is this is something recent i was, something I, I, was in a, I was in the car with my friend ian me and yeah. ian played together in a band called papernut cambridge yeah and he takes care of his dad uh who's 94 and so i think it was ken ken ian's dad who first mentioned this idea of thankful villages hmm. And also doubly thankful villages. There's 12 doubly thankful villages in England, which are villages that survived both world wars. Wow. Um, and I, much like Chance for Socialist, my album before, it just sounded like a good title. Okay. Thankful villages just sounded like a good title for a record or a band. And in natural fact, the first thing I did was suggested it as a as the name of a band. Oh, really? <laughs> it was in, and the band rejected it, and so then I decided I had to go and um, uh, um, scratch the itch somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or another yeah. way, should I say? Almost immediately, actually, almost immediately as they rejected the band name, I realised what I had to do was, was was go to every thankful village. I mean, given given, given what all encompasses, and, and given you say you go there and experience the place, and then you react to it, it 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 feels very much like um, I remember covering God years ago now, uh, Folk Archive by Jeremy Della, right, where he went to lots of villages and just sort of basically archived village life, in, but in a way. Because I couldn't help thinking while you while you were talking that that given the claim or given the name Thankful Village and the the idea that you would like you say celebrate something that hadn't celebrate something that hasn't happened you know grateful that nothing happened as a result of the war yeah um, is that we don't it, it it's a reflection of then and and the time we live in now where these villages don't almost like don't, I mean I looked down the list I mean look they're certainly eighteen and I've never heard of any of them which I kind of felt really I felt bad about to start with but then I kind of I lost no, I mean I mean that's one that's I mean that's perhaps the first impression I got like I say we 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 go to villages usually for a reason usually for a claim to something hmm. oh I've heard it's nice there or the AA pub guide might tell us there's a nice pub in it. No, I mean, I mean, I'm doing the Essex Way at the minute, so I'm passing through. I'm coming from Harwich. Yeah, but these are smaller than that. Right, uh, okay. Um, you know, uh, I would say possibly one in five or six of them still have a pub open. Right. Hardly any of them have a shop, and even a few of them. Normally, the church is 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 still functional and acts as the centre of community. Yeah. I have been to some where the church is closed as well. Where the church is is is, is, is closed through um, lack of use. Mm. Um. So so it's it, it's it seems like an arbitrary fact, but the first thing is how small they are. Yeah. Um. And and of course, if you think about statistically how this had to happen, they have to be small places. Yeah. 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 
So that was the first kind of shock. That was the first thing I was reacting to. I think on the second one, I put my blanket down in the uh, graveyard and set up some recording equipment. And one of the church wardens came round and um, made me jump out of my skin. And then said, oh, we thought we'd see who it was because we heard a car. <laughs> and it sounds like a, you know, I'm from the city type joke, but it was absolutely true. No, they you, could, you heard, couldn't encapsulate it better, could they, you? Really? They heard a car and decided to find out who had, who had, who had, driven, who had driven in. But these places, uh, and these, pla- these places aren't all at the end of the road, are they? They're in the middle of the country. It's sort of... That's what it's also a kind of... Uh, there's sort of an unrandom pattern to it, actually. If you look at the, the, the map that you can find on my website, right. um, there's something quite unrandom about it. Um, and it's, it, it's that odd way in which randomness can look unrandom. The idea that the numbers 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 can, are just as likely to win the lottery as an even spread. Yeah, And... Um, there's, for instance, there's nine thankful villages in Somerset, but only one in Kent and one in Essex. And one reason for this is the um, the placement of um, regiments. So obviously, some regiments were placed in um, uh, tougher environments, and they had this uh, they had this system as well called the Mates Brigade, right. where that you would um, if you joined up, they would promise to put like everyone in one town, in one sort of brigade, brigade or platoon or whatever. Mm. Um, so the idea that you would want to fight together, but unfortunately, what this meant was that um, you know that that meant that a whole town could get wiped out, or indeed a whole town could be somewhere more fortunate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Going back to your graveyard story that you just told then, mm-hmm. what was, I mean, like you say, the, the surprise for you is that they're going, look, there's a car. Um, we better go and find out who it is. Um, but what was it, what was going through your mind before before then that you thought, right, I'll sit, I'll plop myself down here and this is where I'll start sort of recording a song. What, 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 were you th- what, what are you reacting to in that moment? I think initially, uh, uh, an earlier project of mine was called Lido. Okay, and I and I, I I did an album about twelve open air swimming pools, um, and in that I was getting I was exploring the idea that sound or music can describe something just as much as uh, lyrics can. That just because a piece of music is instrumental doesn't mean it's any less about a person or a place if you're thinking enough about it. Yeah. So I tend to write more, I tend to find I'm writing more interesting stuff and doing better work when I'm in transit, when I'm away from home. And so uh, that was it initially. Initially that was the idea that it would be enough to be somewhere different to be sitting in a graveyard or on a bench on a small street and to walk up and down um, a village and to have lots of other external factors like uh, the weather, 
you know, the temperature of the day, the length of the journey that it took me to get there. All of these things I can allow to go into the music. Is that, so, is that, is that almost like this? Because if you sat down, like when we finish this podcast, and you sit down and get your, your guitar out and start to try and think of an idea, there's like a kind of forcing of it in that sense. Whereas the kind of lack of familiarity sort yeah, of help, helps you relax, as it were. For sure, sure. You're just, you're just, it's just impossible to sort of say really how... Because there's, 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 the there, must be, there must be... It's impossible to say how the sum experiences of a day lead up to the selection of some chords or notes on an instrument. Of course, of course. I was just thinking more but, of just, but, just but being I, I suppose if you make them as different as possible... Or if you make them unusual, it's got to be more likely that you would do something more unusual. I suppose also I'm kind of interested in the, the recording studio's obsession to get rid of all of that. So, so in, in a recording studio, we are, we're in an environment where there's no windows and we have three-foot three thick walls <laughs> in order to... Um, yeah in order to uh, make extraneous sound disappear. We're trying to keep the outside world out, and we're even trying to separate the sound between instruments so that there's no accidents, so that if the drummer makes an accident, uh, his drums don't come out on the piano so that they're repairable. And so it's also a reaction to that because... I'm trying to record and do things in an environment where accidents and extraneous noise and sound are absolutely encouraged. Initially on the project, I had what I considered to be a problem with um, wind on the microphones. Yeah. Um, but actually, you know, when I actually tried to take all that wind off and I tried to find buy windshields and stuff, um, the recordings didn't really sound like they were being made out outdoors anymore. No, as a, as a note I made there, I love that on, on Little Sobri, and in fact you made me... I watched the film first before I listened to the song. Yeah, there's a lot of wind at the beginning of that one. There's a lot of wind, and obviously when you're watching it, it makes a lot of sense, because obviously it feels like it's you in this town, and we go right. into, I think we go into a church, don't we, in the opening, or we yeah. go into a building. Um, and then it, then it kind of cuts, because obviously we're not in the wind anymore. Um, and and all it's harder, maybe. Yeah, and it also makes sense, you know, in terms of if you if you think of just watching a narrative, then you know you go from place A to place B, the sound will be different. But obviously, when I went to the audio, I naively assumed that you would have done the the non found sound version on the record. Yeah, and, 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 and I like the fact you didn't. I like the fact that it was literally the same audio. You know, yeah, there's a few differences in audio. Is there? And uh, uh, yeah, really subtle. Um, I think there's one song where a car goes past in the picture. Yeah. And it just seems so ridiculous that you don't hear the car. So I mixed up the, um, what's the term for that in film? Diegetic Foley. sound? Foley. No, not Foley. It's when you use the sound from the source. Like you use the sound as source. So it's, 
It's called diegetic sound. Some one of your, one of your listeners will we'll, we'll we'll anyway, know. Anyway, I used part of the the film. I used part. I, I used slightly more sounds visually because they were explained visually more, mm. but very subtly. And I think I've only done that once or twice. A small a small difference in the the video version. Um, now we've nicely, we've nicely segued into the film version here, um, into and, and, and the process there because. I think you know. There's one thing to have the have the give yourself the pressure of um, going to a village and coming up with some music of some description. And I think, I mean, you describe on the back of the on the CD I've got, which is that you you either did, did made a song up, you did an instrumental, or you um, got yourself found a local traditional song. Sure, or yeah, and interviewed people. Or the... interviewed people as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of, I suppose that's the other thing I, I knew as I was starting the project. I knew it had to change. I knew that whatever my idea was going into the first, um, the first couple of villages, that whatever my approach was, it would necessarily have to change if I was hoping to make 54 villages interesting. Mm. So what is, in a sense, what you had, like a fixed version going in as like, this is my first go but fully understanding it would evolve because I'm guessing you would get more confident and obviously different villages of different people. Yeah. And I'd encounter problems and okay. I, and I, and I'd, 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 I realize I really, you, you know, that on a project you're going to use up the most obvious ideas early on. Okay. It was quite, it was quite simple to do quite pastoral acoustic things uh, with the backdrop of fields and churches, especially as it was late spring when I started the project. Mm. Um, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, the, the project is past, largely pastoral and acoustic, but still you start to realize, okay, right. Well, well I've done that. And indeed the church being uh, the, um, often being the only sort of remaining uh, open house or center of community. Yeah, the whole of the first volume leans quite heavily on on the on the church. You know, the, the, the first there's going to be three albums, mm. and so so the first albums sort of has um, an underlying theme of 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 the uh, church. Um, the, the second volume seems to have an underlying theme of the river. Okay. Well, I uh, mean, just, just thinking about you, uh, we've talked a bit about your process with the music, and and, it, and and obviously that's that's maybe what you're best known for. But but um, but thinking of your approach to film, sure. Do, do you, how do you allow yourself that level of flexibility to be, you know, like you say? keeping it interesting, it changing over 54 villages, when I think, I mean, maybe it's my naivety, I had a thought that filming stuff was more constrictive than, than the audio side of things. And what you can um, what was your What was your approach to the filmmaking process side when you got to a village? Um, y you're right. <laughs> a lot <of> <laughs> no, I don't mean I don't mean that similar. I just um, mean that we, you, when we well, see you're, you're you're grateful when you find a difference. I mean, okay. Flixborough was yeah. unlike any other village I went to, which is largely a village just stuck on the side of an industrial site where there was a huge industrial accident. Right. 
So sometimes you're blessed with a change. Medium is the first thing that changes quite a lot. Um, I've used uh, camera phones, iPads, uh, you know, proper DSLRs with different lenses. I've used analog camera film. Sometimes I've used collection of stills. Mm. I'm trying trying to think even wider than that now. Now I'm trying to think about the possibility of some of the villages not being filmed as such, but maybe illustrated. So, so maybe, um, I was thinking of walking, there's, there's two sets of, there's two pairs of thankful villages where the distance between them is walkable. Right, okay. And so I was thinking about that, I was thinking about walking between two thankful villages and recording the walk, but trying to record the walk hmm. pictorially or in some way not using film. I mean, still visually, it would still be a moving image, it would still be film at the end of it but perhaps not using the camera, perhaps by using like drawings on a map or something like that. Um, I certainly have a way of filming. I quite like filming. Um, I quite like using, I quite like using a camera, a film camera as a still camera and vice versa. So I quite like, taking stills to a series of stills to make um, a sense of movement or a scene. Right. So to, to, to record something happening with stills, but I also then like setting a camera up on a tripod uh, to, 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 to film something that looks like a photograph until you notice that the grass is moving. Yeah, yeah, the, the one, the one that stood, the, there's two stood out as kind of opposites, as it were, or sort of extremes of what what you maybe you were trying to do from, yeah. from what I watched. So Stoke Stoke Hammond was very much that kind of fixed frame. Yeah, almost yeah I, like think a, I think there's only about two or three shots in it. I yeah, think. and it's like a slideshow, but obviously, like you say, when you walk and you focus long enough, you can see the little leaves are just flickering in the wind. Yeah, so it's clearly it's clearly a moving image. And then you've got something like Hollywell Lake. Which is like your adventures in a in a town that shut, you know. Uh, well, yeah, and and it really was it really was pouring. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I knew it would happen. I knew I would arrive at a village on a Sunday, and it would be raining. Mm. Um, and in some ways, it was a relief for it to happen. And so, largely, like I'm setting music to the sound of rain and recording the rain going down drains and stuff. Mm. And, and using that as part of the music, and, and I found a bit of shelter under some corrugated plastic. But the problem with that was is that right, once you'd done it, then the next time I went to, to um, the, the next time I went to a village and it was pouring with rain, it was uh, yeah a little trickier because <laughs> I, I had to I had to do something other than base it purely on the rain. Because um, because that had already been done. I don't know, I just, I'm just thinking literally about what what I'm what I'm watching. You know, I'm watching something which is really sort of de- in 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 the Stoke Hammond. It's really delicate, and you're you're. It's almost like uh, I mean, it's it's abstracting the fact that that they don't. There's no link. There's no narrative to what I'm watching, but it's but also the images are, I guess, formulist in a way because you're allowing me to just watch it, and there's little bits of movement in the background, and there's. Well, um, well. Um, when it goes well enough, and when I have enough time, yeah, then then usually I have some choices. 
okay. uh, to make. Um, I think there's been a couple recently where there could almost have been two or three different edits of what was put together. Mm. Sometimes the villages are, are the visits are so quick that you're almost having to uh, you're, you're almost doomed to using every second of what you shot. Mm. That's okay too. I mean, that's 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 an interesting way to film. And and when I'm sort of filming, doing things with analog film, you you have the expense to consider. You know, you have the expense of the medium to consider. Mm. Uh, I just like, I just like every, I just like being aware of everything that affects your end result. To pretend yeah. that any of these things is invisible, are invisible, is 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 sometimes the mistake. I think, and so sometimes even if a, vill- a visit to a village is, is um, I really struggled in one recently where I I I, I just brought a, a Diana camera What's and it's like an old very inexact camera you just hold down a lever for the exposure time okay. and i was using 120 format film and it was i was very excited because I, I was really excited because it was snowing in april and prince had just died and i was right. so excited to be around snow in april after his snow in april song and um <laughs> and it was the light was going and I ripped one of the films, another film, the shutter was on, and I left the village, you know, really sort of uh, not not at all confident that I'd, I'd captured it. And then when I did, got the, the stuff developed, the uh, guy in the camera shop, like, charged me three quid because he said, oh, yeah, well, I didn't charge you because these photos are unusable. Uh, yet still I have about, you know, um, 30 or 40 of these quote, unusable, unquote, uh, photographs. And of course, you know, to a, to someone as stupid as me, they're not unusable at all. They're actually quite interesting, <laughs> like murky, blurred, greys and stuff. Um, and so, like I say, this, 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 this project wouldn't, wouldn't suit anyone who has preconceived ideas of perfection it would only suit someone who 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 is happy to 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 use and embrace accidents hmm. um one, one bit one little bit that is i guess is is the only motif i can find in in this work i mean apart from the obviously the consistency of this this idea of the thankful village is your lovely little uh, your title cards that you use which is you circling the town in red pen on the os map I yeah, guess. I did them all in one go. They're not. They're not actually done. Oh, don't it's, tell me. Don't tell. Don't tell me all. At, the the at the beginning, I got out an atlas and yeah. just decided to ring them all. But the actual sort of filming and ringing of everything mm. that in itself took so long to really? do. Really? Why? To film them, that just made me think. God, and I've got to visit everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, uh, so 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 they all there's 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 just kind of two things that happens in every one that that, that the, um, the 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 village will be ringed on 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 on, a, on a, an atlas and also at some point um, 
And sometimes it's hard to fit in, really. Sometimes it jars against the content of the film. But usually I do a tiny little watercolour painting, which features at some point. Okay. Um, <clears throat> was that born out of the project, or was that something you, you had an idea of doing before you started? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I could have... Well, it, to be honest, that could have been the one idea I could have left, really. I mean, that's like <laughs> one idea too many, really. And yeah. sometimes it's like, oh, God, I've got to do the painting as well. But the selling of the paintings is actually possibly the more profitable part of the art. Not that I would have chosen this idea at all for any aspect of it to be profitable. But um, it's nice to get some of the money back. In actual fact, people really like buying the little paintings of the Franklin villages. So, um, so I am glad I thought of it. Um, um, and for those for those of us listening in in East London, um, you've got an exhibition of these paintings, haven't you? Yeah, it won't be up for much longer. I've actually got to work out today when I'm going to take it down. I might take it down next week, but um, it's on Ho Street. I think it's something like it's opposite the Rose and Crown, 148 Ho Street, 148 Ho Street, and it's in an old funeral director's. And you don't need to go in. You don't need to worry about it being open. It's in essence an exhibition that's on all the time. It's just in there. Uh, double glass windows of this uh, funeral parlour okay. and you can see you know, about two thirds of the thankful village paintings there and you can um, you can buy one if you want can, can I just ask you what, what's, what's the fascination with, <clears throat> with we've talked a bit about it but what is the fascination with found sound I think it's a, it, it's, it's a lovely thing in, in, um, in music when it's used I remember um, I mean, I'm going back over people I've spoken to in the past but um, literally, there was a techno thing by a guy called Spook, DJ Spooky, I think it was, and he, his album was called Found Sound, and every single sound was just metal on metal that he could repli- he could do somewhere and then stick through his sampler. Or there was like Matt Moss, who yeah, there's lots you can buy now. There's a guy called um, uh, Chris Watson who does really interesting records and a really great record of train noises he made that I like. There's a guy called uh, Rob St. John who done an amazing album called Surface Tension um, about the River Lee. Just, and you oh, really? Him. Yeah, it's called Surface Tension. Okay. And he also collaborates with me on A Thankful Village on the second volume. Okay. He, he brings his binaural mics. He has also has underwater microphones. I think it's got a lot to do with what I said before, really, that, 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 that when we uh, invented recording we wanted to record nothing else than the object we were intending to record Mm. and there's still a place for that and there's still a place for that in this project sometimes when i'm bringing these recordings home and i'm adding things to them then i want a very precise and exact kind of recording Mm. but i think that that as the kind of normal way of recording over, over 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 many years has just, I, I guess we've just got really used to it now. Yeah. And so to, to hear, um, like you say, any kind of extraneous noise, I've really been worrying recently on some of them. Um, so one of them recently was an interview in Flixborough. Right. And it was an interview about this uh, chemical explosion at the Night Pro Factory. It's England's Chernobyl, really. It's the biggest industrial accident. England's ever had. It was in 1974. Right. And so I was talking to the villagers about that. But in that, there's all sorts of sounds with Derek, the interviewee, pulling up his chair 
and then putting a glass of water on the table and things like that. Yeah. And I sort of started to get a bit worried about these things when set to music, um, about how much it would upset the flow. And it was interesting, you know, I played the whole piece to people and then asked them afterwards about the chair scrapes and, um, they didn't hear them. It's interesting what our ears do. Also, as well, I guess you, you, you as the creator, you're even though you accept, you're you're someone that like you describes yourself as accepting the idea of not knowing quite exactly what's going to come out of this. You're still schooled in recording music, aren't you? So I suppose you're going to be aware of what's not the music more. It's a bit, it's just like being a. It's interesting talking about it on a program that's usually about film. It's a, it's a, it's a little bit more like being a a, a director. Hmm. but a director of sound. It's a little bit about directing where the ear goes. Hmm. In that sense, one of the hardest things to do, and one of the things I struggle with the most in this project, is um, the vo- just, just the volume of the interviewee on the ones where there are interviewees against the music. Just, 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 just that balance is 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 constantly a hard thing to decide upon, because in some ways you sort of think of yourself as soundtrack in an interview, mm. so you want people to just listen to the voice and have the voice perfectly clear. But mm. then again, you are thinking about an album that's going to be repeatedly played, and with an album normally when you repeatedly play an album, you don't expect to get all the lyrics on the first listen. You you learn the lyrics over time. Yeah. And if there's a strong narrative to a song, it might be the eighth or ninth listen, where you get all those details. Okay. And also, you know, why would people want to listen to an album of interviews over and over again? So once again, there's a choice there about how much are you making it uh, an interview with some incidental music? <laughs> or are you making these words, these words that are speaking, these interviews, are you making them much more musical than that? Which would suggest putting them lower in the music and making the music surround them more. Yeah, that's what you're saying, because you've, you've got no control over kind of their cadence, have you? So whereas, like, say... I don't know, something which is like talking, say say an Arab strap tune or some Bell and Sebastian stuff, where they have someone talking, but obviously there's a melody to it which is part of the song's design, as opposed to you interviewing somebody who has no awareness of what music you may or may not add to it. Um, you're not playing a song to them and they talk, are these, is what I mean. So if you're recording them... Yeah, oh, yeah, well, that's an interesting... No, that's an interesting thing as well. I mean, it's, it's it's not like I'm used to... I'm not I'm not that used to interviewing. Okay. I'm not that used to... to, to and I suppose a little bit what I'm doing is, is, is documentary making. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, yeah. Um, I've done little bits of interviewing before for... For, for, for a few things I've written mm. and it's really curious what you can do to a story what you can do to a narrative um, uh, how you can change the emphasis of a story by leaving some sentences out <laughs> and how differently you can paint a picture of someone 
the, the, the degree to which you can do that even more so if you're soundtracking them is almost ridiculous, really. You know, you, 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 you have the potential to make someone sound sincere or sarcastic or, or jolly or not, depending on the music you put alongside them. Mm. So I'm trying to, I'm making it pretty important to, for the interviewees wherever possible to have a right to reply. Um, in fact, that's one of my jobs this week where I'm trying to get interviewees to see the finished thing um, and approve it. Cause I'm, I'm, I kind of, I kind of want to do a project that I am able to take back to the villages. I'm not really interested in making um, observations as an outsider and making art that stays outside the village. Mm. I want to make art that the village itself can engage with and feel good about. Um, it's it's even though some of the stories are negative, like sad, sad things happen in the stories. There's no sort of negative intent, really. There's nothing really. Well, no, I, I go back to the I go back to the reference I said before. I mean, that that was kind of the the point of um, Jeremy Della's folk archive. It's like you're making the work with them, not to go. I'm up from that London, and I'm going to point my finger at this little town that doesn't have sophisticated things like London does, which is not a crime in any way, shape, or form. Well, those some of those. Um... Excuse me. Some of those, some of those assumptions got 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 kicked back anyway. You know? I mean, can, can we talk? I mean, that's a question I've got written down. Actually. What what perceptions of village life did you find you challenged the most and maybe changed in terms of having done this project? Um, I thought that they would be maybe more suspicious of me of a person with a camera and recording gear. Yeah. And, and and that is un, completely unfounded. Um, they are a bit. I mean, if you saw someone, uh, if you saw someone walking down Shoreditch High Street with a, well, if you saw someone walking down Shoreditch High Street without a DSLR camera, <laughs> you'd, be more, you'd be more suspicious of them than anyone else. And so there is a certain suspicion of it. Uh, if you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. So even that suspicion, so even that suspicion of someone with a camera and, and that question can lead to something. When I was in Butterton, right. um, I was walking down the street in, in the rain with my green Mac on and my big camera and a woman walking a dog said, oh, are you a journalist? And I said, no. She goes, oh, I thought you was here because of the abattoir. <laughs> and I said, tell me about the abattoir. And she was like, oh, we have the worst abattoir in the country. <laughs> um, That's brilliant. Um, um, you know, they do terrible things and there's been lots of protests here. It's over there. And it is weird. I felt like I heard the mewing of an animal before I'd met her. And so... So there's a way of being, there's a way of kind of be, I mean, and like I say, I reckon documentary makers are used to this happening all the time. They, they keep their eyes and ears open and get ready for the interview or the, the, the experience of going there to take them somewhere else. Um, yes, yeah, it's kind of that, that idea of what story have you gone for and what story did you find? 
yes, yes, yes. Uh, um, 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 yeah. And then sort of going with that flow, and that's obviously when, when we watch documentaries with a high expectation of one thing and then find out that actually it's another, that's where, you can't, that's where the beauty lies sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, now, it'd, be, it'd be remiss, I mean, you, you, we should point out, and I'll put it in the show notes, there is, there is a website, thankfulvillages.co.uk, mm-hmm. where, where some of these films, not all, is it? They're being released in order. Okay. So I, think, I think we're up to number 10. Um, there's 18 on the first, uh, first volume. They're sort, we're sort of releasing them once every two weeks. Okay. And so... I think kind of it'll almost be continuous, really, like sort of continuously through throughout the next two years. Yeah, there'll, yeah, yeah. There'll be there'll be a, a, a film. I'm I'm a fair way ahead. Um, and and just just for people that listen, sort of in present time to the podcast, not not twelve months from now. There's there's a tour attached to this as well, isn't there? Uh, yes, there is. Uh, just it's going to start. Uh, in, in two days, we're going to play in in Maplebeck. We're going to play in a thankful village, and then it goes to um, that other city, Manchester and Newcastle, and a couple of other places. I'm supporting British Sea Power. So it's a British uh, Sea Power tour in June, it's mm-hmm. 2016. So I'll put a sh- I'll put links to the show notes so when this podcast goes out, any dates that are left, people might be able to refer to them. Sure. And is and is Are you going to be showing? I mean, obviously, British Sea Power renowned for their kind of backdrops and, and stage settings and stuff. Are you going to be... Yeah, I think so. I think so. The, the, the British Sea Power shows are solo, so it'll be a little bit more... Uh, I'll just have to see when I get there what I can do. But I think so. I think I am planning to show some of the films. The shows with me, hmm. the band, have, have, have a projection behind me. Cool. Now, uh, one question I wanted to ask, because I'm... Like I say, I've been doing the um, the Essex Way, and I've got as far as Great Hawkers there, which is not exactly a massive way into it. I'm nearly halfway, and I, I must admit, I have been genuinely just just on my nothing to do with thankful villages, but just going to villages that are, you know spitting distance of London and feeling like I'm in a different country um, when when you walk through them. And and but what what has been your three favourite discoveries of village life that really surprised you? Hmm. Uh, people, I suppose. Um, um, I suppose recently, uh, Derek in Flixborough, um, Derek and Dennis in Cromwell both had such a, what's the word I'm looking for? Such a stoical way of talking about death. Right. So I sat down and started talking to Dennis and he said, you know, that, uh, building beside the church that that's now a dolls museum that used to be a mortuary for when people died in the weir we used to leave people in there for days until someone would come and pick them up wow. and that was like pretty much the first like few sentences of his interview <laughs> and then likewise derek in flixborough there was no one in flixborough died from this industrial accident but um he at just one point in the interview he's talking about driving out and driving through other villages and he just mentions at the end of a sentence, noticing limbs in gardens. And you sort of think, wow, God, that would have been the first thing I would have mentioned. The first <laughs> thing I would have mentioned would have been limbs in gardens. And I think, uh, um, 
I don't know, yeah, possibly Roz in Stock Lynch as well. I like I like telling the story of how I met Roz in that I took shelter in the church and I was sitting there playing about with my iPad and uh, Roz walked in and we stared at each other and she's in her 80s and she's a church warden in a tiny village in Somerset and I'm clearly a hipster with a fringe mm. with an iPad recording guitar loops and the first thing she said to me was would you like a cheese sandwich would you Brilliant. like to my house for a cheese sandwich and I thought that was an excellent way I'm going to use that one of these days. One of these days I'm going to go up to someone and say, would you like to come around my house for a cheese sandwich? <laughs> I don't think you can say that in the city. No, it? I'm not sure I could walk up to someone in Coronation Gardens in Leighton and say, would you like a cheese sandwich? Because uh, the no. euphemistic but, but metaphor... Still, I'd, like, I'd like to think the opportunity may, may present itself. I think be, being in the countryside would be a good place to start with. How do you think that... I mean, what... From a more macro sense, getting away, getting away from individuals, how, how do you think these places exist in this kind of blended isolation? You know, away from the rap, the, the sort of rapid influences of what you know. What, what, like for example, where I live, I've noticed that certainly since the Olympics was built, the rate of change has been phenomenal. And we're talking what four years ago. In four years, where I live has changed dramatically, both the people around me and the buildings that surround me. Whereas, obviously, these villages, apart from change of use, they don't really change in terms of their look and feel, do they? Um, no, I mean, there, there are changes. Um, it was walking through East Norton, and we were noticing how all of the buildings had... Um, names on them of what they used to be, i.e. the police station, the library, the village hall, and all of them were places of residence. And that's okay. one thing that's changed, is, is we've become more centralised. And so whereas, like, there might, there might have been in the past reason, there might have been possible to live in a village without a car and use the village shop and even, the, you know, the village library or something, those sort of days are gone now. And most of these um, places are prim primarily places where people live, and to to do anything more is to is to is to travel somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I would say that's one change. There are some villages with um, I've come across some villages with uh, build it building sites um, for new estates and things like that. You know. So, so, so there are there is change at some in some of them. Well, look, sir, um, your um, thankful villages is is out when or is it out now? Is that for, is that Friday? Friday. What date's that? Uh, June the third. June the third. Okay, and uh, we'll put links in the show notes for um, yeah. for where people can get that. I've got, I've seen on your website you've got a, a way to buy it through your website, so I'll make sure I direct people there. Directly to the films there, I can say I've, I've I've not watched them all. Like I said at the very outset, this is there's so many ideas and so much going on. And, you know, it, it's hard to take it That's all a, in. It's a, it's a thing to return to, without a doubt, without a doubt. And and uh, like I say, I mean, and it sounds like a really tiny bit, but one of my, my favourite bits was just watching the film of um, of little little Sobri and then going to going to the audio and finding 
you know, right. <laughs> finding the wind was still there. And I thought it, was just, it just was that because it, it goes back to, you know, what you were saying is the kind of what we used to do in, in the recording studio and excluding all extraneous sound. It's sort of those those little inter- those little interruptions to the norm then become, you know, they they get beyond novelty. They're kind of they, they become interesting because they're not normal. Um, I remember speaking to a documentarian who he did a film called I Believe in Miracles, which is a fairly standard format thing where he interviews footballers. Now, one of the, one of the big no-nos for interviewing document in documentaries is not to hear the interviewer's voice. And in the finished film, you can hear him laughing to what the footballers, right. are, t- yeah. what the footballers yeah. are telling him. And when they're in the edit, they were doing, like you described, they were doing everything they could to try and get this laugh out. And in the end, they went, no, this tells you more about the film than if you got rid of it. You know, the audience are going to be laughing here, so why not hear you? And so what sounds like an odd thing to have in terms of the more stricter formats of the documentary, actually it worked for the documentary in the end. And like, yeah. And I think, you know, it's sort of, maybe, you know, there's there's a place obviously for a kind of, you know, the pure isolated 5.1 surround sound, whatever. No, I, I, I do, but it sort of isn't as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, the actual place for that is 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 just in some rich Canary Wharf flat, isn't it? With some guy with a massive TV who, who's watching fucking Avengers: Age of Ultron or something, isn't it? That's 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 who buys buy. They're the people who buy Blu-rays, aren't they? I mean, you know, there is a place, but there isn't really, is there? I was going I mean, to say. I mean, I listen to enough stuff out the speaker on my phone, so clearly stereo five point one's not doing much use out of my phone, is it? Yeah, no. I mean, I mean, the industry is the, the industry's need to, 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 to you know, to con- continually increase resolution when none of us were complaining about VHS cassettes. Well, we were. We were. We were. Oh, I have this theory. No, I don't think so. I don't think that anyone ever complained about fidelity of a format. They only com- they only realised the, f- the fidelity of any format was bad after they were offered something new. I don't know about that. I, I think, think, think there's a natural... But anyone in the 70s going, I hate this analogue... Ca- I hate analogue cameras. I hate the way the photos look. I don't remember anyone with videos saying, oh, no, I want something else. Oh, yeah, but, is- that, but, that's, but, that, but then that's about the having the best option until it's better. It's not saying it's, nothing's ever perfect, but what's, what's interesting about this, this but, idea of the technology space. But once you got to CDs and DVDs, that's when it started becoming stupid. When like, when, when people were sold Blu-rays, they were being sold a wrong one. They were just like, you're right. You know, this perfect digital, uh, you know, image we got for you. We think, we think you need more pixels because we think you need a bigger screen. I mean, and 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 the reason why they're stuck now is, of course, that they need now to sell us things we definitely don't need, which is like three D and things like that. Now they have because they just can't. I don't think they can justify any more pixels on the screen. Well, well so, they've they've gone. I mean, it's, it's I'm, I'm the last person to be uh, to be defending the space race for technology. Um, it's um, yeah, you're right. I mean, Blu-ray, Blu-ray is very good for people who like film, you know, who make film and are trying to make that kind of image, and it's you can see a lot more. But for some films, it just ruins them. I mean, or it does no good. If you look at say the Blu-ray for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it yeah. still has lots of the dark and shadow of the 16 mil film he shot on. You can't make black 
any more <laughs> any more yeah, resolute yeah. by by adding more pixels in. I mean, I mean, I, just as an aside, we're digressing ever so slightly here. But um, I saw I saw some seminars back last month about virtual reality, and at the seminars, I learned that we I don't know if you know this we see in sixteen K. The world right. around us, twenty twenty vision is sixteen K. Yeah, and at the moment we cannot make a camera that, that you can hold in your hand. We can make one the size of a Volkswagen, but we can't make yeah. it big enough. Yeah, that can move at the same rate our eyes and brain can. Um, but, also, is, we can't, but also, we can't tell the difference between an MP3 and a WAV file. No, but that, I mean, I was about to say the, the MP3 is the interesting development because the MP3 was the first time where we lost in fidelity to get a technological advancement because obviously. What's on a CD is higher fidelity than an MP3 because you can press in it. Is that right? Uh, sorry, say that again. An MP3 is a compressed file, isn't it? Yeah. So, so, so you're you're know, losing you you're losing extremes. You kind of notice it when it's played quite big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of notice it when it's played quite loud. But I've definitely, I've definitely got, I've definitely got around it. <laughs> you know, I've definitely used, I've definitely used, uh, M- I've definitely used MP3s on on. Um, records and stuff and and used used it for found sound but yeah you i think you can tell the difference between mp3 and you can tell the difference between the bit rate i'm not saying you can tell but not as as much as some audio files would make you want to believe oh no no i mean that's that's part of that's part of the commercial world isn't it yeah um but look we have digressed slightly now and i've enjoyed it because it's a subject dear to my heart so um Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Podcast. It's been really interesting. It's, seriously, it's a wonderful, wonderful project. Yeah. So um, the most important thing to get out of this is that Thank for Villages Volume 1 by yeah. Darren Heyman is out Friday the 3rd of June. I'll put a link in to, to his website where you can get hold sure. of a copy. And I'll put another link in to thankfulvillages.co.uk so people can see where you are uploading the films you've done today. Um, and you're just starting to break up, so I think that's probably our time to quit. Cool. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.